Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Well, I've got a stimulus package for you. And Neil Potter. It's true. All of <laughs> It's all true. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And... Um, of course, we're on part 16 on our series on Harrison Ford, where we'll be talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, and of course, as always, we'll start with some film trivia on the movie and talk about some box office. I feel like this one's going to be a big box office. Um, <laughs> then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on Star Wars The Force Awakens, ending with some final thoughts on Harrison Ford, and as always, some recommendations. So Tyler, you want to start us off with some film trivia? I sure do. Yeah, in each episode I put together four pieces of trivia about our main film, and one of them I have made up completely, and you guys have to figure out which one it is. So, number one. While filming in summer of 2014, Harrison Ford broke his ankle on the door of the Millennium Falcon. Rather than push back the release date, the studio made the difficult decision to film his few remaining scenes with a body double and digital head replacement. Number two, John Boyega originally played Finn in his natural English accent, but both he and J.J. Abrams felt he, it didn't fit right for the character, so Boyega changed to an American accent for the role. Number three, Oscar Isaac found out he got the part of Poe only several hours before the table read and was instructed to wait in a London hotel room to receive a call. He would be told to go downstairs into a waiting car that would take him to the table read or to book a flight back to the United States. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Some gangster shit. Number four. <laughs> Number four. Simon Pegg's three-year-old daughter is largely responsible for the inclusion of puppetry in the style of the original films. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Uh, ben, why don't you go first? Oh, my God. Um, wow. Uh, it has to be the last one, mainly because it's the only one I've never heard before. So I feel like that that's false. All right, Neil? I know elements of the first one are true. But I want to say they stopped filming and they didn't continue on with the body double. They All right. Final answers. All right. Uh, yeah. So let's start with number one. Whoa. While filming in summer of 2014, Harrison Ford broke his ankle on the door of the Millennium Falcon and they used a body double and digital head replacement. This one is the fake. So good job, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> so the body double. Uh, yes. Yes, the body double was the fake part. Uh, he did break his ankle on the door of the Millennium Falcon when it came down and landed on his leg. Uh, and uh, they, he was out for a long period of time, um, and they almost pushed the release date back, but he did manage to recover in time for them to keep their original production schedule. They just had to rush a little bit. Um, and another kind of uh, fun fact about that incident, J.J. Uh, Abrams actually 
threw out his back trying to lift the, uh, the thing off of Harrison Ford. But he didn't tell anybody until like three months later. So. Oh my god. So what yeah. came down? Um, did you did it say like what fell on him? I think if, if I remember correctly, I think it was actually the like um, the ramp that they go up into the Millennium huh. Falcon. So the thing that like lowers down and they walk out, I think he was just not, I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or the, didn't gauge the, where it was going to fall correctly, but it landed on his ankle. So wild. Ouch. Yeah. And apparently very heavy. So not Hmm. cool. Well, I mean, it's a spaceship. And that's like, (laughs) 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 and uh, that's also like, isn't that like the third leg injury he's had since we've talked about (laughs) (laughs) He crashed his plane and broke his leg and yeah. So weird. The plane, Um, did the plane happen around this time or, or maybe after this movie? I do not remember the timeline for that. I think it might've happened in between the first and second movies. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't remember. Um, yeah. Number two, John Boyega originally played Finn in his natural English accent. That one is true. Yeah, he, I don't, I don't, I didn't say how much they actually got down that path. Like, I don't know how many scenes they filmed with him trying it that way. Um, but yeah, they, they made the change to have him have an American accent, which I, I'd be really interested to see the English accent version. Um, yeah. I, I, I like Boyega in this movie, but I, I think he, I think it's kind of weird how noticeable his accent is, <laughs> his American accent is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways. It's so funny because yeah. in like in Attack the Block, he has a very thick uh, British accent. And then mm-hmm. I never saw it. So I'm I'm just uh, trying to think of trailers. But the um, what's the kaiju versus the robot movie? <laughs> Pacific Rim um, 2. Yeah, Pacific, Pacific Rim 2. Yeah. He kind of has like, mm-hmm. he uses a British accent too, I think, in that movie. But it's more of like mm-hmm. a, like, noble, like, it's not like heavy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just remember it being much more noticeably different <laughs> than what I'm used to hearing him as. I was actually going to bring up Attack the Block too because he, you can't understand a single word those kids are saying. Oh in yeah, that movie. everyone, yeah. everyone in that movie. It's yeah, you need yeah. subtitles for that. Good movie though, very good. amazing movie. Uh, number three, Oscar Isaac found out he got the part of Poe only several hours before the table read. This one is true. Yeah, so that that That's was insane. really. That would have had to have been so nerve-wracking, like to be told, "Hey, uh, the table reads happening today. We've been trying to find the part of Poe for months now, and you might get it. And if you do, we're just gonna literally send a car to your hotel, and you're gonna go straight to the table read." How fucking intimidating would that be? Yeah. Oh my and it God. actually happened. Like, he, and then he had to end up going there and doing the table read <laughs> hours after he got the yeah. part. Crazy. Uh, I think because of that is there's a or. Um, that happened because um, Poe apparently was supposed to die when they returned to Jakku and there's that um, they're like TIE fighter crashes and I oh, think right. that when like they when like they tested Oscar Isaac they were just like this guy's a movie star we should expand his role um, uh-huh. so like his scenes at the end of the movie were added in and so I think that's why his casting got pushed back. 
until apparently hmm. the, literally the last second. <laughs> Damn, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, it 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 is a bit odd seeing how they weave uh, Poe into all three of these movies. I kind of feel like he's maybe one of the most wasted characters, actually. But uh, yeah, I I disagree. But maybe we'll get okay. into that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so number four, the one you thought that was the fake Ben. Uh, this was really fascinating to me um so simon Pegg is good friends with jj abrams uh and i guess it would have been back uh around the home well it would have been back well when his daughter was three years old i guess it was about five years before they started producing these films um so before jj was even um before J.J. was even brought on as a director or anything, uh, Simon Pegg told a story to J.J. about how um, his daughter's only previous uh, exposure to the character of Yoda was in the CG versions of him Mm. in the prequel movies. And then uh, then he showed her one of the original films with Yoda in it, and his daughter turned to him and said, daddy Yoda is real. Whoa. And wow. that really, that stuck with him so hard that he, uh, I could, yeah, it was, it was probably around the time that the star Trek movies were being done with yeah. JJ. So he, he told that to JJ and that stuck with JJ all these years until he was eventually brought on to do this film. And he like heavily, uh, he very heavily tried to lobby the producers to make puppetry a bigger part of these movies. And that's very evident in this first one. And it, man, it, it really matters. Right. God. Yeah. So yeah, such a, an interesting little like thing. Maybe he still would have done that, but who's to say, but that, that story rings so true to me. I think, you know, my daughter is almost three years old now too. And that sounds like exactly something she would say, like, man, Yoda is real. Like, oh, oh that's so God. cool. I right? mean, in, mm. in, yeah, Empire Strikes Back, like that performance, I mean, uh, oh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Frank Oz. Frank Oz. Yeah. He should have won yeah. awards for that performance because it mm-hmm. is it's yeah because yeah it's real like that seems like a real like creature and not a puppet yeah so cool so yeah that's it amazing very nice well let's get into some box office shall we we're talking about star wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, which came out in 2015. Uh, This had a budget of $245 million, and it had a domestic opening of $248 million. It made its money back, like, on the domestic opening, which... (laughs) So, what is... An opening is, like, just the weekend, right? So, it would have been, like, four, maybe five days. Yeah. And that, like, I think I remember hearing that when this first came out. And I think this is one of the highest grossing movies of all time, if I'm not mistaken, because worldwide it's made $2 billion, like as of now, which is higher than anything I think we've had on this show so far. Um, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, this show so far. I want to, I almost want to say, uh, Endgame took that mantle over, right? Or maybe yeah, was yeah, that, maybe so. that was just domestic. 
but let's okay so the force awakens is ranked four right now then titanic avatar and endgame are all above it Mm. so yeah this is yeah one of the highest grossing movies of all time it's crazy um in so i decided i was going to compare this movie to the phantom menace I, I was gonna compare it to a new hope but i was like nah that i think the phantom menace fits it better because it's like star wars is coming back mm-hmm. let's see right. what people are gonna think about it so obviously phantom menace considerably lower budget uh by about well, oh, quite a bit 115 million dollars now worldwide this the phantom menace has made a billion dollars but like opening weekend didn't even make it close to the its own budget. It only made sixty four million dollars as its domestic wow, opening. Wow, really? Yeah. And I remember that being super hype and people seeing it a million times when it came out initially. That's crazy. Back in ninety nine. Yeah, remember that too? I, I wouldn't have thought that it'd be that drastic of a difference for opening weekend. Right. And I wouldn't have pegged that this one, The Force Awakens, would have just blown that out of the water proportionally. Like, just killed it. I mean, I think a lot of that has to stem from, like, instead of it just being a nostalgia for Star Wars, it's a desire to see these returning characters play the same roles you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. these actors playing the same roles they did 32 years ago like that that's what brought everyone out to see these instead of just like kids who were interested in star wars yeah i have to imagine word of mouth was much better for the force awakens as well Oh yeah. so you get all the normies um come out as well which i'm sure i'm sure for uh the phantom menace i'm sure a lot of people were just like okay maybe i'll wait because uh <laughs> yeah yeah well and it, you you gotta acknowledge too just how fucking incredible the marketing campaign was for this movie oh, yeah. like the the trailers for this movie just like it got you so like emotional i mean yeah. i i don't consider myself like the biggest star wars fan in the world but man it's just the the way that those trailers were framed and how they didn't really reveal anything that was going to happen it left everything up to your imagination was mm-hmm. so cool yeah oh and then it, yeah. even the pre-sale tickets like i rem- remember it was they started selling tickets for that movie like three months in advance and it was a huge yep. thing where it was like well i guess i have to i have to go buy my tickets now because it might sell out like a, sh- a showing might <laughs> sell yeah. out of a movie which is so rare yeah right and this movie is in very good company for 2015. Mad Max Fury Road. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. (laughs) Uh, Inside Out, also an amazing Pixar movie. Uh, The Martian, Spotlight. Okay. Uh, One of the... One of the other <laughs> that was really highly grossing movie, but not nearly as good, uh, Jurassic World <laughs> came out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the Revenant, which was really good. Oh, and then uh, Mission Impossible 5. And then amongst a couple of uh, not of the best uh, Marvel movies, we got Age of Ultron and Ant-Man. Yikes. Uh, oh, <laughs> Creed and Hateful Eight also. Nice. Uh, I guess we're going to get some Tarantino in there. Oh, my Creed God. It keeps going. Good. 
Yeah, Spectre, uh, not the best Ugh. Bond movie, but One of still the worst. there. <laughs> <laughs> Furious, Furious 7, man, a year of franchises this year. Holy cow. Yeah, well, we're in the like, decade of franchises. Yeah. <laughs> Terminator Genesis. Yikes. Minions, that's a franchise. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Spare> <laughs> <off>. technically. <laughs> oh, sorry. Mockingjay Part 2. I, oh, my God. A quick Minions uh, tangent right here. Um, oh, we do not have time for this, but I'm going to go for it anyways. Uh, so a couple of years ago, I went down to Florida on vacation with my family, and we went to uh, Universal Studios, that theme park, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, there is like a Minions town there. There's a section of that theme park that is just Minions. And we walked by a parade where there was this giant truck and there was just people in Minions costumes just all over this vehicle. And I have <laughs> at, I have two nieces at the time. They were both two years old and they just lost their shit. Like I've never seen like two people just like it's like if you like open a door and there is just like millions of dollars in there like just a treasure trove (laughs) like i feel like that's what they saw oh my god get get (laughs) that's so weird man get your get your nieces on the show let's yell at them that's (laughs) that's That's like the dis- that, that's like the uh, the hallmark difference between like Disney and everyone else, where like everyone else other than Disney targets it like directly to children and doesn't even bother appealing to adults because mm-hmm. that shit yeah. is like cancer for your eyeballs. <laughs> but then like, but then you have Disney that just is like somehow tweaks that formula so perfectly that you can enjoy the same things your kid enjoys and not feel like disgusted by it. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Anything else on box office? No, that wraps it up. Okay. Biggest box. One of the biggest box office things ever. Uh, all right. Let's dive into, uh, let's dive into this movie guys. So, uh, like I said in the last episode, um, it has been quite a while since I've rewatched this movie. Um, obviously, I've seen it probably, I mean, a dozen times, maybe like way more. Um, and I quite like this movie, but I wanted to go into it. I wanted to go into it and just watch the movie by itself and not think about um the the next two movies that follow it and i feel like that is an impossible task i think it's impossible to watch this movie and not think about uh the last jedi and rise of skywalker um so i was gonna enter into this podcast thinking um that uh, that I would try to just not try to leave that baggage away, but I feel like it's impossible. So I say, let's just lean into it. And if it's all right with you guys, I'd like to just start with the two things that I think this movie, uh, the two like biggest sins of this movie, um, if that's all right with you guys. Sure. 
Go for it. So, um, okay. So I think uh, the biggest sin of this movie, and I think it's justifiable, but um, I was going to bring this up because I think uh, the Indiana Jones movie that we talked about, The Kingdom of, of the Crystal Skull, does this too. That this movie is designed not... It's designed to not piss anyone off. Uh, it is designed to um, not fan service in a way, but like it is designed to be exactly what you remember. So like there is a reason why um, Han Solo, the first time we see Han Solo is when he's walking into the Millennium Falcon. Like Han Solo mm-hmm. is exactly the same he is back doing what Han Solo does and um, there really feels like uh, even though there's like a 30 year 30 years have happened between this movie and Return of the Jedi um, it feels like there's no character development in this character Um, and even uh, Princess Leia is back She's back in uh, the rebellion, and I just really—it—it just really feels like this movie is just like it is produced to make you feel all right. There's really not a lot of surprises in this movie. Um, The biggest surprise is kind of like. You, it's kind of almost expected, like Han Solo getting killed. It's almost expected because that joke of Harrison Ford has wanted that character to be killed in like every Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. and it just really feel it really makes this movie feel in a rewatch um, kind of soulless, and um, uh, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys feel that way? Do you agree with me? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I, I'll disagree. Uh, I'll disagree on in the sense that it feels soulless. I think I don't think you're wrong um, about the fact that this movie just doesn't really take many risks. Um, but I think that's a lot different than saying that it has no soul, right? Maybe like, like it, manufactured, like. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, they, they've definitely like ground off all the rough edges and there's not really anything that surprises you here. Um, I think it's I think it's a really satisfying movie that has less um, I think it has less fan service than some people might claim. I think there's um, I mean, I, I, I guess to, to address your point about her, uh, Han Solo, I think he there is some character development here, but it's not really, um, but it doesn't take any risks with it, right? Like, so the fact that he's gone back to smuggling, I think is character development. Like he was established as a part of the resistance in the previous films. And he was like taking responsibility for his life and, you know, falling in love with someone instead of, and like putting down roots rather than just being a completely, uh, solo dude. Um, yeah. Yep. So the fact that he is like abandoned all that and gone back to his old ways, I think is, 
a regression and then like a a meaningful thing for his character but it's also super predictable and gives us those opportunities to be nostalgic about when he was that character so it kind of like it's kind of this double-edged sword right where like yeah i guess it kind of works for the story they've written but it also is super convenient to get him back in the like leather jacket right Mm -hmm. yeah i would argue uh just on the point of han solo that it's like his character development is only there to f- like his minimal development is only to serve somebody else's development. Like it's not about him in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's there to get the 40 year olds to the movie theater essentially. <laughs> so like uh, I think, and I, I love him in the movie. Like I love everything that happens with him essentially in this movie. But like, uh, I think that like Ray, Poe, and Finn's story, like he's just there to help them along, to help build their characters more so. Yeah. Um, Even Kyle Ren, the, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about him. We'll get to him later. Um, oh. But like, <laughs> uh, but on your point about like, yeah, I would be more I'm more on Tyler's side about like, yeah, it seems a little bit more like manufactured. I think that was a good way to put it, Ben, um, instead of soulless, <laughs> because like, <laughs> because like and I kind of disagree with you on that, like not being able to watch this on its own, because I, when I rewatched it, like I almost I had like a joyous feeling like I had when I was watching it the first time. Now, I've grown to appreciate like The Last Jedi and stuff more. But when I go in to watch those, I feel like it's a more of a chore to watch Mm. them because it has I and I don't know if it's what it's for. But like I'd watch The Force Awakens more than more than well almost all other star wars movies outside of maybe empire and a new hope like i'd watch the force awakens over and over because it's just so easy and fun and it doesn't destroy anything and it introduces like one of my favorite characters that has ever been in star wars so like that's my and that is kylo ren kylo ren is like my favorite character that's ever been introduced in star wars it's like in this movie, in isolation, they do pretty well in the the sequels to this movie. Um, but like, he is so strong in this that it's it's uh, just it's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, great. All right. Point number two. Um, so it's it's possible that my wound from the rise of Skywalker just has not healed yet. Um, (laughs) I I will very much admit, maybe I just can't, I just can't sit in that place uh, because maybe I just need to seek professional help about it. But okay. My, so my next point is actually, it's actually kind of a double edged sword. It's actually like, maybe equally good and bad but this movie uh this movie asks a lot of questions it proposes a lot of questions and it does not answer any of them and the good thing about that is that 
I feel like the the way this movie is just created is that it is almost it is almost created in service of the sequel. I don't think The Last Jedi could have been as good as it is um, if this movie was made in a different way, um, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's fair. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just because it just like brings up so many ideas. And then I feel like it it at the end of this movie, it's positioned in a way that it's almost like a layup to use a basketball basketball term where the last Jedi is a slam dunk. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't appreciate the sports references, okay. but continue. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so my, my evidence to the thing that I, that is bad about this move, the bad about the way it has no answers is because I believe that, it, I believe that the filmmakers just did not think of answers. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the problem that the sequels have got, have gotten into that. Like um, there's no, when you wa- go back and watch this movie, there's no like clues, you know, there's no like, like, Oh my God, this is the point. Like now that in hindsight, I see everything, but Anyways, mm-hmm. so my evidence to this is now, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but right before this movie came out, right before The Force Awakens came out, um, Mark Ham or, or someone said that Ryan Johnson asked for a change in the movie. And there was like a, sm- there was one small edit to The Force Awakens. Um, to like fit what the last Jedi was going to do. And this is a quote from Mark Hamill and that is about this change. And um, so I'm looking at uh, slashfilm.com report on this. And here's the quote. <laughs> um, uh, and it is about the very last scene of the movie when Luke Skywalker shows up. Um, okay. Quote. When we were doing The Force Awakens, Ryan said we might have boulders floating to show your for uh, to show the force emitting. So I was led to believe that I still had the force and it was really strong in me. Uh, when I read The Last Jedi before The Force Awakens came out, I said, "What?" Uh, referring to, of course, um, Luke Skywalker cutting himself off from the force. So, mm-hmm. so I said, what? And I called J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson to say, are you guys aware of this? Have you seen a cut? Is there floating boulders? And they said, no, we caught that and we worked it all out. So <laughs> my my reason for bringing this up is, uh, one, can you fucking imagine like an entire movie where there's just floating rocks around Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and then two, uh, one, of, I, I remember one of my big questions coming out of this movie is why did Luke Skywalker never show up? Like his friends are in danger and like the empire strikes back. Luke's arc is him dropping out of school to go save his friends. 
right? So yeah. why mm-hmm. does Luke Skywalker never show up in this movie? And I think The Last Jedi very cleverly um, answers that by saying he cut himself off from the Force, so he has no idea what's happening. And to just have to just have Luke Skywalker on an island, just like with the Force, it's just one of those things that it's just like I don't think the filmmakers of The Force Awakens like answered their own question. Like, you know, um, no, um, kind of on the same topic, like there's also a world where the guy who directed Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow, made the third movie, too. So keep that in mind. Like, yeah. that blows my mind. And but so the yeah, the biggest issue with all these is, yeah, no one nobody knew what the game plan was going forward like Mm -hmm. that's where the like i like the last jedi um i think it proposes some great things that introduces some really good topics into the star wars universe and things like that but like that like so it's like nobody gave anything Ryan Johnson to go off of except for all these very, very loose threads that might be floating around in the, the Force Awakens. And then Ryan Johnson was like, oh, OK, we'll do something clever with this. And then, you know, J.J. Abrams comes back and says, no, nah, that's not how it's supposed to be. And then <laughs> like just starts for, like doing things the way he would have wanted to mm-hmm. initially. Yeah, the dead speed, and, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, I mean, I am like a half defender of the uh, the rise of Skywalker, but it is really interesting watching this movie after having seen that recently because while for all of its flaws, and I and I do think the Force Awakens has flaws, I think that it demonstrates a better understanding of what makes star Wars, star Wars than rise of Skywalker does. Oh yeah, and, definitely. And, but I think part of the reason for that is because it's so slavishly devoted to almost re like doing a, um, uh, almost a, a remake, like updated version mm-hmm. remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I can't tell how much of that is like understanding Star Wars from like a like philosophical level versus an imitation level. Right. Oh, yeah. Like it almost just feels like an imitation that's just done really, really well. So I can't really like I can't knock it for that because it did a good job, but it it created a whole lot of downstream problems for the next two films. Mm -hmm. I I Mm. would. I I think imitation is a better term to explain this movie than like a remake because it, it just seems lazy to me that it's like it, it, they just like took the skeleton of a new hope and was like, all right, it's a death star, but all right, it has to be better than a death star. So um, let's make it a let's make it an actual moon. No, that's not cool enough. All right, a planet, I guess. And they're like done. And it's cool. Star Killer Base is cool, and it's it is cool to have like you know Han Solo and his team running around the like planet surface um, while like the trench run is going on. But also, it's just like. You know, at the time, it was the third movie with the Death Star in it. 
And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. You can't like just not do that? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's one of my conflicted points about The Force Awakens is <clears throat> I will give it a knock of creativity because of that exact reason. And I obviously I wish there was a, a better way to approach that. And I think that's what Ryan Johnson did is he had like none like you like, as I said earlier, like you didn't see any of what he did in a Star Wars movie before now. But the thing is, like, I also I don't want to say I felt like it was necessary to have like these old familiars back in this specific movie. But because like. It's still fun to watch. It's and it's still like it serves the story well enough. But like, yeah, I'm I'm always so two minds about it because on one hand it works and it makes its budget back in a like a single weekend, and but on the other half I am in your camp, Ben, where it's like, man, couldn't you have just like done something else? But I I I more gravitate towards. I have more fun watching this movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's usually where I end up leaning. I only forgive it and, because ultimately <laughs> I forgive a lot of this movie because I do think at the end of the day it's good. Um and and it's the first it's the first movie of Disney, right? So there is this very much like uh, basically the goal of this movie is to not have like this amazing creative vision, but to be like, to like get the trust of the public. Right. That's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, we can, um, it's like, Hey, we can make star Wars movies. Like, look at us. And I forgive it because it led to the last Jedi, but also there was like, what, three other star Wars movies. Um, two of them, I think, are terrible. Um, and, and then the third is pretty good. Um, I'll let you decide which ones. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's like if we would have gotten, um, I mean, if we would have gotten like another movie that was on the caliber of The Last Jedi, I probably would have been like, yeah, this is good. Like you're gonna, they're gonna make some misses, of course, but whatever. But it just seems like you got the Force Awakens is pretty good. The Last Jedi, I think, is probably the closest thing that, like, we're gonna get to a masterpiece for, like, this type of movie. And then it's just kind of garbage. The rest, and it's just like, what's wrong here? What's wrong with this formula? that you're using. So uh, I'm going to push back against that a little bit just because I, and I think I might've said this back when we reviewed star Wars, a new hope. I, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily a good movie either. Like I think you can, Uh, I think you can find a lot to criticize in a new hope and in the other two as well. Like the, that original trilogy of films, like it was revolutionary for a lot of reasons that don't include plot or like, (laughs) I don't know, just there's a lot that you can point to and forgive because of how old it is, but really it's not that 
impressive mm-hmm. as to, as far as like character development and uh, plot goes. And I think these movies make a lot of those same mistakes, but they get bashed a lot harder than the originals do. Yeah. Um, but the and, and but I, the I mean, originals I, didn't have anything to look back on. Like they were the originals. Like this right. movie, like has those to look back mm-hmm. and learn from, and mm-hmm. um, and it just shouldn't. Like you, like we should not be making worse movies now. It, like it just shouldn't <laughs> well, be a thing. I, 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 I wish guess, that was the case know, for everything. But, <laughs> I mean, let's well, not yeah. make I feel bad like, movies. I feel like part of that though comes back to the the. <laughs> the premise right like i think it's difficult to make a great movie on a premise that is completely absurd and illogical and nonsensical like you have to admit that the star wars universe as far as like physics and logic and all this like none of it makes any goddamn sense and we try to weave this like fantasy um like just fairy tale basically through it all, which works great if you just don't think about it too much. But when you're building a like multi-film series that is supposed to have a connected story, each successive block that you place on top of the previous one is like so precarious because you're trying to like build on a universe that is on sand. Like I, and I say this as a fan, right? Like I love these mm-hmm. movies. I love the the weird force magic bullshit and like the nonsensical space battles that don't take physics into account at all. I kind of love all that. But it's just like it's a really hard ask to say build something that's a masterpiece on that, right? Like it just feels like a difficult thing to <laughs> to buy into. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna add into this uh, that. The head cannon of any Star Wars fan is the worst thing that's in true. the entire oh, planet. Yeah, that's true. Um, I and I, you see a lot of this, like if you're like on Twitter or anything, when any Star Wars movie comes out. But like, it's just, and people say it all the time. Like Star Wars fans are the worst, and I, as being one, yeah. I also agree with that yeah, statement. Yeah, you are like, the worst, Neil. Th- <laughs> thanks, thank you. Um, I, it's just. And 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 part of that is that there is there was a lot of time in between the the trilogies. So, like, obviously not. Well, I mean, yeah, they all had a comparable chime, time chunk in between them, and all that did. And obviously, there was auxiliary, you know, legends material and information and stuff that you could read. But I would say the majority of people, you know, would aren't doing that. So you get a lot of people think and and this is uh, I'm kind of going to relate this to why this movie was playing it safe is that like you wanted to make all of those people like ease into that because they're already they already think I know where Han Solo is in 30 years. I know what is it. And. Uh, and like you kind of want to bring them in slowly and let them down slowly so they're not like oh oh yeah okay he's a smuggler again you kidding me in my world he's back on Kashyyyk free and more Wookiees you kidding me like on this 30 year old book that I have he's doing something else yeah Yeah. 
Yeah, so like it's it's an impossible task to make a Star Wars movie in its own right anyway. So like props to them for making this one as enjoyable as it was. So yeah. but I think that comes down to the new characters that they introduced in this are okay. just magnificent. All right, yeah, let's let's run down the new characters. Um let's start with Finn, uh who um we talked about John uh John Boyega earlier in this episode and Tyler, I think you said, uh, Oh no, wait, you said Poe was the most underserved character. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think both Poe and Finn don't get a whole lot to work with in any of these films, to be honest. It, it kind of feels like, um, the best way I can describe it is it feels like when they wrote the first movie, they had, they like, Everyone was sitting down and was like, who are our Leia, our Luke, and our Han? And they had to, like, they had to, like, design, um, they had to design the plots for these movies to include three or four characters that we knew were going to make it through the whole thing because we had to have it kind of mirror the feeling and emotional style of those original movies. Like we had those, that core group of characters that brought us through that adventure and we have to recreate that here. And it felt like even in this first movie, which where I think they did a great job with casting, I think, and, and the, um, the chemistry between those characters is incredible. I think it's completely uh, undercut by the like superficiality of that kind of being produced into Mm -hmm. it. If that makes sense. The way I see this is actually the character aspect is actually one of those elements that we were kind of talking about earlier where I can only now see the trilogy as a whole. So when I, See, if I were to watch this one in isolation, I'd be like, I like all of these people. I can't wait to see what they do moving forward. The rest of the movies are what really <laughs> let that down for me. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. And that's something I can't forget about. Like in this, like, you know, <clears throat> so uh, like I would say Poe in this one kind of has the in this one. Spe- I'm trying to try to keep this in isolation here, but he has the least amount of to do in this one. But like. He's still like a really fun, energetic character, and you want to see more of him and yeah. see what he can do. Finn has a has one of the coolest arcs that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. That like in a Star Wars, so you obviously want to see where he's going. And at, by the end of this, well, like his mini arc of you know being there, being the tough guy, and then just being a coward and running away, and then being a and then standing up to Kylo Ren at the end, you're like, Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. when he ignites the lightsaber at the end and you're like, he's not a hundred percent sure of himself. And you're like, Oh, he's going to die. But you're like, <laughs> but you're like, Oh my God, like this is awesome. And mm-hmm. like, and then Ray obviously is just, uh, you know, outstanding. And I think she gets the best service, you know, in the whole grand scheme of things, obviously. Yeah. But like, even in this one, like she is like, unwaveringly like headstrong and just great and like so sure of herself and like has uh, like just great qualities about her and yeah that as far as our heroes are concerned i think that's that's great i i personally don't think it's an overstatement to say that without daisy as ray in these movies 
I think the, the like we could have gotten something just orders of magnitude worse. Oh yeah. 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 I think that like so many sins are erased just by the like sheer excitement and like enthusiasm and intensity on her face in throughout so many scenes that I even scenes that are not good. Like she is the standout highlight, like by far. Um, and yeah, that every time I, every time I want to rewatch any of these films, I'm, it, it's never about anybody else. I, like, I never really care, like, oh, I'm going to rewatch Force Awakens so I can see, like, Han Solo again or whatever. Like, that literally doesn't even register for me. I'm, like, in it for Ray. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I think Daisy Ridley is, like, the star of this movie. I, I think casting her was maybe the best decision that this movie made. Um, Absolutely. She's got the like perfect Star Wars like uh, character build, essentially. Like she's serious when she needs to be, but has great comedic timing as well. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And she does it all in character perfectly. Mm-hmm. And she's like an unknown that just it, that was like the magic of those original movies. Right. Like Han Solo, he had only been in like one. <laughs> Harrison Ford had been like, uh, what was it? American Graffiti Graffiti before this and like just blew up you know and this was her first film like how can you I can't even like fathom the pressure oh my god yes knowing what the fan reaction had been to the previous prequel trilogy knowing that you're a first time actor like this is just a next level insanity to dive in and then knock it out of the park that hard Mm. so yeah it's it's just truly impressive and like the entirety of my emotional attachment to these new the new trilogy is like tied to her entirely oh yes uh, me too honestly Uh, ray is just such an incredible character and i i think it's mostly her, her performance in at least this movie and the last jedi i think are pretty just brilliant like there's almost a meta there's almost a meta moment i guess several in this movie where she's playing off of harrison ford and the the kind of like looks that harrison ford gives her like how she's impressing him like that feels like in it feels like a very meta moment where the actor of Harrison Ford is like, fuck. Yeah. Like she's making me care. Yeah. She's making me care about a universe that I'm thought I was taking for a paycheck. Right. <laughs> like that's what it feels like when you watch the two of them side by side. Yeah. And like that's it's so that feels so special because we do get to see the real Han Solo and not like the Harrison Ford in some of these last few film few films we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Like if it feels like him and it feels like the same star Wars we know and love. So that for that alone, I just, I, I will always love this movie despite all the other flaws it does have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think for Han Solo, I feel like they melded the Han Solo character perfectly with grumpy old Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. And yes. it just yeah. works so well in this movie. Oh my God. The yes, the like uh, the best line of this whole movie, in my opinion, is when they just they land on the pl- on Star Killer base and they're like, Finn's like, how are we gonna get in there? 
we'll just use the force. And he just looks at him and it's like, that's not how the force works. Like That was exactly what I was going to say is my favorite yeah. line, too. It's, God, I love it. It's perfect. It's so great. And, like, I just love it that it, that's coming from Harrison Han Solo, who, at, when you first meet him, doesn't believe in it at all. And it's yeah. like, then just comes out knowing, like, he at least knows that some schmuck can't just go use the force, quote unquote. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that that scene where they're looking at the map um, and he's like, he's like, um, yeah, it's all real. The force, the Jedi, all of it. Um, that's uh, there's just Harrison Ford is just really good in this movie. There's a lot of good acting mm, yeah. from him. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of shocking. Great. great, Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, during this time in his career. Absolutely. Oh, and yeah. he has gr- great banter with Chewbacca, like yes. just like some yes. little off thing, off things like when the, again, when they're on the the Starkiller base and he, Chewbacca says something, obviously you don't know. And he's like, Oh, you're cold or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just amazing. <laughs> well, and uh, that, that also, um, uh, there are moments that I think some people w- have mislabeled as like fan service that I think are just really great additions to like referencing things that are old, but actually make sense. So the running gag in this film of Harrison Ford of Han Solo getting to use the, uh, Chewie's bowcaster. Like, I love the idea that it's been like, they've been working together for like maybe a total of 40 years Mm -hmm. and he's just never had a chance to use that thing until now. And he's like, shit, this thing's actually fucking awesome. (laughs) Like I, I kind of love those kind of character moments. Cause it's not like, it's not a real, it's not really a callback. Like, uh, Chewie's bowcaster is never like a important part of previous films, but it's just a fun moment that you get between those two characters that makes sense. Mm -hmm. True. True. Uh, all right, Neil, let's talk about the best new character in this movie. Yes. Supreme Leader Snoke. Oh, God. You got me. You got me. Oh, the old switcheroo. Oh, shit. Uh, um, like, literally, Snoke is like, I will, let's, let's touch on Snoke for a second because it, it's one. And this is this is where uh, the the whole premise of the the last Jedi, like subverting your expectations, really plays its part in the second one. But like in this one, in isolation, you're 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 almost terrified of Snoke because like you yeah. see just a giant projection of him, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like that is dude this is like, ugly. Yeah, exactly. And like you're you wonder, like, what on earth is this guy capable of? Yeah. And that and I think this is so like you're excited to see like this is where The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi do their both part for Snoke really well. Weirdly, where this one you're like super like intimidated by him in this. And then in the, the next one, he's just a guy in a gold robe with slippers on <laughs> yeah. in a giant like throne room. Just and got out like, of the oh, shower. My God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where it's like, but obviously, but the last yeah. Jedi, I think shows uh, Snoke's power in a pretty brilliant yeah. way. And yes, yes. Just suppose that he's in a fucking golden robe, like is I think pretty brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. um, 
uh, Andy Serkis, uh, performed by Andy Serkis. I think he's mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that that actor is just so brilliant, and this oh, yeah. is just. I think just I think it this just goes um, in the pantheon of his like some of his best work. Um, alongside it's just uh, <laughs> Gollum, uh, um, uh, that. Uh, David Bowie's assistant from um, The Prestige. <laughs> the Prestige. And, uh, All the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. yeah. Planet um, of the Apes, yeah. Uh, what was his name in Planet of the Apes? Caesar. Caesar. Caesar, I, yeah. Caesar, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just say, too, that the, the character of Snoke is one of the, like, legitimately great parts of jj's mystery box you know like Mm -hmm. he's famous for doing this and like lost and all these other (laughs) properties but like sometimes it fucking works but the problem is when you have to pay off that mystery box right yeah so it it it, this movie tees up such potential for the star wars universe and especially in characters like snoke that you're just like fascinated by um but yeah the delivery on that promise is difficult to pull Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get to Kylo Ren, I want to touch on another villain, play the Domino Gleason's character, oh Admiral Hux. Yeah. He is like this is another character that kind of falls off <laughs> as the movies progress. He's kind of a different character in the second one, where he's more played for comic relief. But like, he is damn near super intimidating. This when he gives is that he? like. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think Go he ahead. is. You don't think yeah. he's intimidating in this? I like, think he's insufferable. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but not, okay, yeah, not in the good way. Like, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, I, like, I think he does such a great job. I guess, yeah, I guess, like, intimidating really isn't the right word. I'm only thinking of that big, like, Hitler esque speech he gives mm-hmm. on Starkiller Base is like holy shit like he's like just so intense but he is an insufferable little shit i will give you that but like i think Donald gleason does it perfectly i think he's awesome in that role and like as a character in that role and then uh as the movies go forward in the third one he's just uh, nothing he's nothing he's absolutely nothing but the second one i like him that like he's he just kind of continues on being that only he doesn't have the backing of Snoke anymore. Mm. Now he's trying to claw his way back up to Kylo and Kylo just makes him a joke. Yeah. I really like their, their whole rivalry that they're almost like, um, like the top of the class and they're all just kind of like working for Snoke's like approval and that kind yep. of rival rivalry that's built from that um, in this movie and The Last Jedi, I think, is so good. Um, I just really don't like yeah. Donald Gleason. I just don't think he's a good actor. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I, I like him, but I think I think he is unintentionally great in this movie because I think I think they were trying to pose him as an imposing figure. And it didn't really work, which is why the interpretation of the character in The Last Jedi is much better because they do kind of play him off as this like wimpy, posturing, you know, mm-hmm. wannabe imposing mm-hmm. figure. Mm-hmm. And that that works so much better. But I don't think that was what they were intending to do with this first film. No. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they retconned him that way yeah. in the second film. Yeah, yeah. I think um, he's supposed to be yeah. an equal to 
yeah. um, to Kylo Ren. And right. man, you just you do not put Donald Gleason as an equal to Adam Driver. That is that was your <laughs> yeah. first mistake. Yeah. yeah. I was I was actually reading in some of the trivia that they one of the reasons they cast uh, they cast someone really young because they they thought it would be more imposing to have it like the implied power of someone who rose to that stature at so young oh, an yeah. age would make them feel imposing. But the casting just doesn't really work with that. But I don't think that's Domhnall Gleeson's fault. Like I just I, he wasn't the right pick for that role. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Hmm. Um, all right. Uh, you want to talk about Kyler Ren now? Or should yeah, we keep pushing it off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Kylo Ren. Great character, all around. Like both, and and he's the one where in every single movie he's the like he's per, like his character doesn't waver through each of these movies as far as like quality in my opinion. Like he's the only thing that like kept all of them like to, him and like Daisy Ridley kept this whole thing together like. It's the best they could. But like in this one, you know, he comes out and you he's like the Darth Vader wannabe. But like, I love how the how conflicted he actually is and how he doesn't like I, I don't just all of his actions are something that that kind of character would would do like just a super, super conflicted character. And everything about him to his unstable lightsaber kind of reflecting his unstable personality and his relationship with the force that like is he still good is he still bad like you never really a hundred percent know and even when he kills his han solo you're still like i don't think he you still don't think he did that for the right reason or he doesn't know why he's doing that because like he thinks he has that motivation but like it's just all wrong and luke really lets him know that in the the uh the next one which is awesome like the lessons like that he starts to learn throughout all Mm -hmm. this and he's got an amazing look like i love the way he looks like the mask the robe everything like the first scene in the whole movie where they raid that like little village that pose there and they're escaping and he and the the stormtroopers come down with the like the flashing lights and everything and he comes out and like stops the blaster bolt yeah. with the force. Like, oh, what an incredible my introduction! God, yeah. like incredible. And then it shows how merciless he is by killing Max von Sydow, who is also now dead in real yeah. life. R.I.P. Rest in power. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. My yeah. God, he Kylo Ren is like. I think his character is the reason why, like, this trilogy exists. Like, this is why you, you make more Star Wars movies because this his character is just so amazing and it's so different than what we've seen in the past and it is so I think it's so a lot of people like complained that um, he removed his mask in this movie and I think it, it is brilliant that he's he's wearing a mask because he wants to be Darth Vader but like to compare him just wearing a mask to be intimidating 
compared to Darth Vader, who's wearing a mask because he got dropped into a volcano <laughs> and he needs it to survive. Uh, it's just so good. Like Kylo Ren is just what an amazing character. And I yeah. think it's all Adam Driver. He Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. God, he brings yeah, just I mean, an amazing performance to this character. Uh, I I mentioned that Ray is like the emotional core of these movies for me personally that is like the reason I rewatch, but at the same time every time I rewatch I find myself just enamored with Adam Driver's performance. Like the I think Ray is just like Ray is this character that is not given a whole lot to work with other than just like, I am good and I'm going to do the right thing. And the, the, the actual character development of Kylo Ren is so much stronger. Um, and, and being able to have the two of them play off each other is such a great, just dynamic. So yeah, his, his work, even in just this first movie, like you talk about comparing the d- the delivery of Domino Gleason as being like not very intimidating, he like Adam Driver can just whisper something and it sends a shiver <laughs> so shiver down your spine yeah. and you're just like fuck, you know. <laughs> so it, it like imagine him switching roles like that. It just <laughs> you would you would find him an intimidating young person leading a giant army. So like it, it's. It's fascinating how he can so easily uh, slip into that, but yeah, I, it's it's really impressive the casting on all these like core new characters in these movies. Like it's really like you said, Ben, that it's really the only reason these that these have a reason to exist is if we can. I'll be okay if they decide to do more trilogies in the future if we get this level of like character casting and interaction between those characters. Like that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Any, anything else you guys want to say on this movie? Um, I think my last point is, uh, JJ Abrams loves to blow up planets. Uh, (laughs) the (laughs) Starkiller base blowing up is like, it feels like it goes on for 30 minutes. Or not, not 30 minutes, yeah. 30 seconds, that whole explosion. And, yeah. of course, he he does the same thing in Rise of Skywalker. And then, of course, he does the same thing in Star Trek that mm-hmm. was, like, famous. I feel like that scene of that planet blowing up was so famous in that movie that he's that's just, like, a card he keeps pulling out. <laughs> Oh, Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to final thoughts, guys. Uh, f- mm-hmm. For every movie, we'll give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrisons. So, Neil, what are your final thoughts? Absolutely. Um, kind of sum everything up that I was just saying. Like, this um, has some of my the, the my favorite Star Wars characters of all time, that being either new or old characters. Um, I find this movie extremely fun and rewatchable, um, even more so uh, than all the you know the prequel trilogy up to like the the uh, sequels that take place after this one. Like this one's up there as like one of my top three rewatchable Star Wars movies, just because it's fun. 
it's got like it, it plays it safe, but like that's just kind of what it needed to do, uh, really. And as far as like all the like the new characters, obviously great. The old characters, just just as you remember them coming back, perfect. Like uh, Harrison Ford in particular, like he gives it something like which we haven't been able to say for like the last few episodes. Like <laughs> he he showed up. Obviously, he showed up on set and broke his ankle, but like he showed up <laughs> and he gave it he gave it Han Solo and like he he did it and like. It had a little bit of Harrison Ford kind of in there, but like that's what you'd expect. But like him just playing alongside Chewbacca again is just just great stuff. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give it probably a four out of five Harrison's for me. Cool. Yeah, um, I think I think I'm right there with you on the score. Uh, This is a four out of five Harrison's for me. It's 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 so difficult to like quantify what it is about this movie that I like and don't like. I mean, I can, I feel like I can hold two contradictory opinions about any one thing in this movie at the same time. But, um, and so like this whole podcast has just been like my moment in time understanding of how I feel about it. But this is, um, it just feels kind of special. Like, the fact that they kind of pulled off a great Star Wars sequel this far after the fact, like I people wondered if it could even be done after the prequels. Like, was it just like a flash in the pan thing? The originals were they can they never be replicated? And I think that this movie shows that, like, it, as long as they are as long as Disney treats it this with the respect that it deserves because it means so much to so many people i'm totally fine with them continuing to make movies until the universe dies from heat death like i really i i don't think you can do anything to like tarnish a franchise a franchise to make it irredeemable so even for those of you like ben who hate the rise of skywalker like whatever i'm give me another one right like see if you can bring in the same caliber of cast and even just rekindle some of that magic from the first ones like i'm in i'll go see it i will um yeah this is uh it's a fun fun movie it has a lot of flaws but i think for a lot of the reasons we've said it's easy to look past them uh yeah um we're going to be unanimous. I'm, I'm going to give this four out of five Harrisons. Um, I think he's so... Uh, I think they gave him a good part in this movie, and he showed up. Uh, he's so fun to watch. Um, uh, in this movie, back in this famous role, and even though I think the scene with, like, Kanji Club and the like Raftars, um, I think is pretty boring, and I think it just kind of gets worse the more you rewatch it. But, <laughs> but still, like, I mean, Harrison Ford is just so good um, throughout this entire movie, and yeah, his he is almost like in a passing of the tor- torch rule role for mm-hmm. like every character in this movie. He kind of is like a mentor to like Ray, Finn, um, and Kylo, uh, and BB-8 as well. And 
it's so good. I it's I think it's so smart that you know they they that Luke Skywalker is not in this movie, and like he he gets his entire movie to shine in the sequel, and it's such a shame that Carrie Fisher passed, but I think just for just the quality of this movie. Um, they just have time to give Han Solo just an amazing role. And Harrison Ford, I think he I think he can tell when a movie is worth his time, uh, even though even if he said yes for a paycheck, I think when he read this script, he was probably like, he's like, oh, shit, I, I better start preparing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He brings it. It's it's so good. It's such a fun thing. And. And yeah, uh, to your point, Tyler, um, I do want to see another Star Wars movie. I don't think, you know, it, you know, a franchise gets big enough to a point where, you know, a run of movies can't really ruin it. And I still have faith that they can turn out a really good Star Wars movie. And I don't know, worst case scenario, it's just Disney Plus shows for the next like 30 years um you know what my hope is my hope is that after the these string of movies that they've pushed out that there isn't as much hesitance on the part of like filmmakers to dive into this universe i like i feel like that was a big problem with the this new trilogy right like nobody wanted to touch it because they were afraid of what would happen if they fucked it mm-hmm. up and I feel like now, like the guy who brought it back, JJ, like and and thought everyone was like, shit, he did it. Then also kind of fucked it up with Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like, I think everyone's like, well, OK, why can't I guess I could try. You know? like, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's what happens. And so like good filmmakers are attracted to this franchise mm-hmm. from here on out. I, I think we've yeah. seen that in the Mandalorian kind of like yeah. them. Maybe a Disney Plus show is you know, less risky than a full length motion picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like people can maybe cut their teeth in a Disney plus show or something like that. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm worried about is that like, I think it was the, the reception to the last Jedi was that I think that they, they gave Ryan Johnson, like, I think they said, okay, to a lot of his ideas and they probably, I mean, obviously there was a lot of oversight and he had, probably every single line of dialogue had to been okayed by like a group of 20 people in a boardroom. But uh, like the rise of Skywalker, I, it just feels like there's people looking over JJ Abrams shoulders and being like, being like, you have to explain where Snoke came from. You have to explain like Ray actually has to have parents like, you know, um, mm-hmm. like, and I, I worry that that's the future of the movies, that they are so big and they all have to make a billion dollars that, you know, they're going to just be those scripts and the whole production is going to be looked over with like, you know, a Hubble telescope from <laughs> Disney headquarters. Yeah. But well, I, I, I think part of that comes from the fact that this is this has a huge legacy, both figuratively and literally mm-hmm. in the films. Like if they just decide to fuck off from Skywalker shit and do something totally different in some other corner of Star Wars universe, 
I don't think we'll have to care about that, right? Like, it won't need to maybe, but be shoehorned into some previous thing. I mean, oh, maybe, but Rogue One and Solo, I feel like, had the same problems. But maybe they're close enough. But well, yeah, they had to, they had to fit into the timeline and into the characters yeah. that already existed. Like, just, there's rumors that they're gonna do like a uh, Knights of the Old Republic mm-hmm. trilogy, and like that would just be. I mean, it'd be it could have all the same components that we know and love from Star Wars, but just without any of that baggage. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah hopefully, but I, I I don't have that faith. I I think sure this machine is <laughs> too big. Re- that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be optimistic about it, though. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, who knows? Only time will tell. Um, all right. Let's make some recommendations. So for every episode, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations. Um, Neil, really excited for your recommendation. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK. Um, so recently uh, uh, to the dropping of this uh, episode, the remake demo for f- the Final Fantasy seven has come out um, for, I think, most platforms, PS4 and Xbox for sure. No, uh, just I played PS4. On- Was it just PS4? Yeah. I, I wow. don't even know if it's coming to PC yet. Holy cow. Well, lucky me, I guess. Uh, uh, so I picked that up and I'm coming from a place I didn't like. I know Final Fantasy seven is beloved as far, one of the, the better ones. I actually started playing with Final Fantasy eight and really mostly got into a Final Fantasy ten. So like it's not it's not one that I had played previously and it's one that I'd like to. But um, just judging what I've seen about it and, you know, all, I, there's obviously huge lore and stuff going around about it. So I'm very familiar with like Cloud and his posse in the whole t- um, in the game. But like this remake is the demo is really fun. It's really good. Like um, it looks graphically amazing. Like a lot of what they it's it looks like they took final fantasy 15 and you can tell some of the influences they took from like the more recent editions of final fantasy um and then slapped the seven like story into it and it looks good the gameplay is really fun and it plays better than 15 like i I played all the way through Final Fantasy 15. Good, but like it had, it was, the story was very bizarre, but I guess you'll get that with Final Fantasy. And like the gameplay was a little, I, it wasn't the best. It was mostly just like hold the circle button to win kind of a game. And in, in this, like, you get to do like your attacks and you can block and then you can, but you still have that kind of turn-based menu style within that game where it slows down time. And then you can pick like a cool move or a limit break to do and all this stuff. And it's really fun. Like I had a really fun time playing it. It's a nice, like long enough demo where you get to a good feel of the game. You get to do like a boss fight in it. Like it's really cool. And it like emphasize again, it looks 
awesome. Like it looks amazing visually. Like I can't overstate that enough. Like it just has a really cool aesthetic to it. Um, so if you, I guess if you have a PS4, download the Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's quite good. Uh, the game is out for pre-order as of now, and I think it's going to be an installment-based game um, rather than a full game at launch kind of a thing. So, Yeah, that, that little detail is so weird, and they're like not advertising that very well. <laughs> yeah, no. true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am really excited for this game. Uh, I do not have a PlayStation, so I have no idea. It might be a full year before I get the chance to play this game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm very intrigued, like how uh, how they pull it off. Because from from what I can tell about the story is it's basically just the prologue of the original game. Like there's so much that they are still that they're still like going to do in presumably in future installments. Um, And yeah, it's quite fascinating. And I would suggest going back and playing the original, though I understand. I've heard a lot of people try to go back and play that that have never played it before and like have a difficult time. Um, and that is understandable because it is very dated. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you've ever looked up screenshots of the game, it, it's basically like Lego people running around. Like mm-hmm. it is some, it is some bonkers graphics back. <laughs> and it's like, it came out in the nineties, like early nineties, I think. So it is a, old ass game but but it's like it's one of the best it's like one of the best games ever and i think the story the story still holds up if you can kind of get yourself through the graphics Mm. i'll have to try that plus it's on like every platform now so like it's (laughs) on switch like i feel like it would be perfect to play on switch and it's probably quite cheap or you can if you buy it at the right time you can probably get it for like a few dollars so Mm -hmm. um cool uh so tyler what's your recommendation yeah well uh i will just mention i just finished god of war on ps4 and i haven't been playing much else on it so ben if you want to borrow mine Uh maybe (laughs) you can play through final (laughs) Fantasy um so with everybody being on lockdown right now uh to date the podcast year uh COVID-19 is, <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> COVID 19 has everybody locked down and so i've been going through my backlog of video games um so like i said i beat god of war absolutely loved it i think i recommended it in a previous podcast um Super enjoyed that, but I moved on to uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, which is a um, a little bit older, uh, I guess, like maybe four or five years now. It's been a little bit uh, 2D platformer uh, that came out on Xbox and it uh, I I bought it, I think, back when it came out and I only played like the first hour and a half and I just kind of. I, it was one of those things where 
if a game doesn't like absolutely grip me in the first couple hours, I'll just like drop it and be like, oh, I'll come back to it. But then I just never do. Um, and so I fell off of it. And then just last this last week, maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, the sequel came out called Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And it got incredible reviews, and it's on Xbox Game Pass, as is Ori and the Blind Forest, the first one. So I was like, well, shit. I mean, I remember thinking it was kind of cool, so maybe I'll go back and check that out. And I sat down to play it and dove right back into my old save file, and I played for like four hours straight and loved it. Um, I'm very close to the end. I think I have like less than half an hour left. And man, it is... It's something else. Like, I'm not usually that into the, like, Metroidvania-style 2D platformers, but the animation quality and, like, the art style in these games is just incredible. There's It's like Pixar-level animation quality in some of these, like, characters. In the beginning of the game, the little, like, story bits are super, like, simple, but they're really well done. Um and just the controls in this game, there's a I'd actually recommend if you if you're on the fence about playing a game like this, go check out the um, YouTube channel called. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, what is it called now? Um, it's a game design theory channel where he uh, game makers toolkit. That's the name of the channel. Game makers toolkit. Look up their video about Ori and the blind forest. And it explains how the, the movement system in this game and uh, how it's tied with the combat is so smart. Um, and it feels so fluid and so good. And then the other thing that I really appreciate about this game, and I don't think enough people talk about is the the way it deals with difficulty um it's it's not an easy game but it's not it's not like a super hard game either but part of the way that it balances that difficulty is by having a save system that allows you to save literally anywhere but you have to use up a resource to save so you like have to use a some energy to create a save point um, that can make it more difficult for you then to continue on past the next obstacles if you create a save point. But at the same time, if you risk it and try to go on without saving and then you die because the obstacles are difficult, then you get sent back to your, you know, back further to the last save point you made. So it's like this perfect balance of like risk and reward. So like you feel like uh, even when sometimes your death feels like it was the game's fault and not your fault it then gets thrown back onto you when you fucked up and didn't make a save point before that hard thing so like you're you're frustrated by the fact you died and maybe maybe in somewhat unfair way but then you're more frustrated at yourself because you didn't save before it so like it just feels really good when you get that balance down of like knowing when you should save because this next obstacle is going to be really tough. So that, that part for me helped a lot because I, I don't have a ton of time to play games anymore. And so when a game is really hard, I get frustrated and I just want to quit. But in this one, it felt more like a, a manageable challenge and I just really enjoyed it. So I'm stoked to finish it and I'm stoked to start straight into the sequel, which has gotten great reviews. So awesome. That's, Ori and the Blind Forest, and the sequel is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. It's on Steam too, I think. So, cool. Uh, I would like to recommend uh, the show Devs. This is 
a show that is on Hulu. It is a created, um, created, written, and directed by, I believe he does all of those, but it's created by Alex Garland, who I think all of us are big fans of. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. This is, of course, the creator of um, Annihilation and Ex Machina. And then, of course, he wrote uh, 28 Days Later and Sunshine, um, a lot of like a very prolific uh, sci-fi writer. Um, but this is his first, I want to say it's his first television show. It's about this um, kind of Silicon Valley uh, tech company. Um, I don't know if they've ever actually said what the company does, but it's a lot. Of, it's just basically like um, it's basically like Google or like Facebook, like something like that. But um, this sh- it first starts off, and a character is invited, basically is given a promotion to work on this very secretive project uh, called Devs. And it's, like, so secretive that, like, he can't tell anyone what he does, the, like, where the, um, where he, like, goes to work, where, like, team works is, like, in another building from the company, and he has to go through, like, three different security doors just to get in, and then, like, um, like, weird stuff starts to happen and kind of all revolving around what this like team is doing in this um in this like uh devs area and i won't say exactly what they're doing because um i i didn't know like basically like what um what was happening uh when i walked went in watching this show and uh, it was just like how this show opens up and like what happens is it's just so it's shocking and fascinating. And it's just what it's really what Alex Garland, I think, is just good at. Like he's really this is really like kind of him honing in on like kind of showing the big ideas that he's really fascinated in and but also like kind of connecting this human and like real world story uh like tying it all together um it's so it's just such a good show i'm it's they're releasing it uh weekly uh every episode is released weekly and it's it's just one of those shows that i'm just like I just can't wait until a new episode comes out. I'm just so just excited just for more of this world. Um, uh, also, uh, Nick Offerman is in this show. He plays the like head of this tech company. And my God, he is, he is so incredible in this show. Uh, I'm just, uh, I never watched Parks and Rec, so I'm not as fluent in Nick Offerman as probably most people are. But my God, he is just so 
fun to watch in this show. Um, it's it's amazing. So uh, devs, it's done by FX, but I'm pretty sure they're only putting it on Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this one's on my list for sure. Mm-hmm. I I actually had the premise kind of spoiled for me, um, and I guess what I would say is if if Ben's pitch didn't interest you and you should you should go read the a little bit more about the premise and then you probably will be interested oh yeah yeah it's a deep it's a very deep sci-fi idea um it's it's not just like i don't know by the way you describe it i think is great because it keeps people able to not spoil it but like it gets into some pretty deep sci-fi shit Mm -hmm. that's cool oh yeah from what i've read so yeah. yeah, and it's definitely if if you're a fan of Ex Machina, I think this feels more like Ex Machina than like Annihilation, you know. So sure. it, yeah, it's very much more structured in its like storytelling and plot, and it's it's a lot of people like sitting around computers talking about like you know programming, um, which kind of like. Uh, Ex Machina had that feel too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. And philosophy and programming. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it's so good. I I think I'm four episodes in, which I think is halfway through the season. And um, uh, I, it's just, um, it's, God, it's so good. I'm just completely enamored by the show um it also features uh on the campus of this tech company there is a giant like statue of this child um i don't know if you if you've seen i'm sure if you google just devs you can see easily see pictures but it is like this like a hundred story tall statue so (laughs) yeah it's like it's like comically large, but they show all these like, you know, every time there's all these establishing shots of like this company's campus and it's all, you know, there's like buildings and stuff, but then it's all like wooded area. And then there's this gigantic statue of this child just like coming out like a mountain. Uh, and it is <laughs> is so like it's hilarious like every time i see it i laugh but it's almost like this like nervous laughter because it's such a haunting image (laughs) yeah uh but yeah go go watch that go watch devs it's so good uh all right that is it for this episode of credits due uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us and listening along. Um, we are at our last episode of Harrison Ford um, for, uh, well, our next episode, to be specific. Um, so I hope you join us in two weeks where we'll be finishing finishing off this series and talking about Blade Blade Runner 2049. Um, 
Yeah, I think the runtime for this podcast is roughly half the length of Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, very interesting to rewatch this movie now that I have like seen the first Blade Runner, um, yeah. or at least seen it recently enough that I remember it. Um, yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting conversation. This this movie is pretty incredible. It's, I mean, I think it's pretty close to a masterpiece, not to like be hyperbolic, but <laughs> uh, very excited. Nah, it's going to be good. Very excited to rewatch that. So uh, until then, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen. Hey, you can find me, Neil, at Dino Neil Man on Twitter. And you can listen to my other podcast pivotal tracks where i interview a musician about a song they like um you'll find that anywhere that you found this show and once again thank you for listening thank you for watching along and until our until next time remember as always you got another problem women always figure out the truth always Yeah, we didn't talk about Maz Kanata. What a weird character. 